0: This podcast episode is powered by Afropods, the world's number one podcasting platform for African stories.
1: Hello, welcome to another episode of The Startup Show by the Kenyan Wall Street. My name is Ali Mwakaneno Gakweli, your usual host. So today I'm sitting with Tanya Ngema, the Managing Director of Digitally at Digital Divide Data. She's also a board member at CFS Assets Management and is an inaugural technical committee member at Kenya. Not Kenya, the country guys, the <laughs> Kenya National Innovation Agency. And uh, we want to specifically talk about, you know, Digitally and, uh, how it's working with digital centers, especially in peri urban areas in Kenya, to improve their capacity to serve their clients as well as sort of identify and uh, leverage new opportunities, partnerships with business. Welcome to the show, Tania. Uh,
0: thank you, Ali. Um, and it's it's I'm glad to be here despite the Nairobi cold. Um, but yeah, thank you for having me on the podcast.
1: You're welcome. Tell us about what digitalize. is. And why did you decide to call it Digitally, just for the benefit of our international listeners?
0: Okay, I can do that. So, Digitally is a Swahili word for digital. And what we do is a very interesting journey because we've pivoted so many times. So, we kicked off this project on the 2nd of March. Uh, I remember uh, 10 days into starting off the project and preparing to go into the field. We had the first case of covid Um, so we had to change a lot of the things that we do, but initially when we kicked off this project, we were thinking about franchising our digital centers and I'll talk a little bit more about what the thinking has been since then. Um, and then we went into what we call a digital only model Mm -hmm. because of course of the restrictions and our inability to go to the ground. And here we are about 15 months later, we have 400 and about 30 digital centers across the country. Uh, we are in 45 out of 47 counties. There's only two counties where we don't have a presence. Uh, and it's just been a really, really exciting journey. So let me also talk about digital centers and why we use that term. So you'll probably hear us, um, using them interchangeably, either cyber cafe or digital center. So if you think about cyber cafes and the reason why they existed about two decades ago was as a gateway to the, a gateway to the internet. Uh, People go in, they sit, they access the internet, they surf the web, they probably access YouTube. And the reason for which cyber cafes were created has sort of been decimated by the fact that almost everyone has a smartphone. Almost Mm -hmm. everyone can buy bundles. Those costs have gone significantly down. So we've started to call them digital centers because they've diversified what they do significantly. They're not just internet kiosks where people go to access the internet. A lot of them work with schools. They work with the businesses around them they do some pretty amazing and cool things which I'll be happy to talk about later uh, but that's what we what we refer to as digital centers now specifically with relation to our journey we support these digital centers and we have a couple of partners who we started working with and this was initially um conceptualized as something that would increase digital inclusion especially in peri-urban and rural areas and then we also have another KPI which is creating jobs and by creating jobs, we are really talking about youth employment and we also talk a lot about diversity and inclusion. Um, So that that was our mission at the beginning. It still, cont- it still continues to be our mission. Mm-hmm. It's just the way that we are delivering it that is a little bit different. So our model is not a franchising model. It's a network model. We have these 430 digital centers in our network. We support them. We do capacity building for them. We provide opportunities that they otherwise wouldn't have access to, which is our B2B offering and our talk about that a little later and we also do one of the critical things that we've discovered micro enterprises have challenges with Mm -hmm. which is asset financing but we do our asset financing a little bit differently we do not give cash to the digital centers that want it instead we procure the equipment for them so we do everything all the way from Um, Vendor engagements, making sure that the warranties are in place, evaluating the equipment, making sure that this vendor is, um, you know, is is a legit vendor. And for example, if within the warranty period anything happens, they'll be available to service the equipment or to replace it as the case may be. Um, We do transportation and installation and the repayments kick off um, as soon as the equipment is actually at the digital center and working. Um, so that's how we do asset financing. And then of course, um, we do other things like we do competitive uh, procurement for the digital centers. We get them prizes that they wouldn't uh, otherwise get. And then the third bit of this uh, is bringing them opportunities that they otherwise wouldn't have access to as individual digital centers. Um, we partner with various organizations and the create opportunities for digital centres to diversify their revenues, whether it's using digital platforms to do things like sell airtime and tokens for a commission, or whether it's what we have been uh, pivoting into, which is B2B, um, through what we like to call sort of like an agency or solution centre model.
1: So uh, you you guys launched um, digitally smack in the middle of the pandemic.
0: Uh, 10 days before the before we had the pandemic, the first case of the pandemic in Kenya. In Kenya so you
1: guys definitely have the what I would call the first hand experience with, with the pandemic. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I don't know what you have to say about this, but then the pandemic came with it's not digital transformation, but it's really accelerated uh digital adoption, especially Absolutely. for for many, many services. And um, you know, Right, when we're having this conversation, it's just six days since career, close the filing of return, something that is done a lot, especially in the grassroots with um with digital centers. How how do you think the pandemic affected, you know, the demographic that that you work with, both um in terms of, of the negative and the positive?
0: Okay, so so you know, we've been saying since we launched our project. So of course, I was employee 001 and I hadn't hired a single member of staff. Right. And we had to get used to doing things like um, hiring people and working with them for long periods of time without ever actually meeting them face to face. So I remember we joke and we say, I actually met uh, my team members um, six months after we'd already started working together because we realized we had to do something socially distanced. Um, so it forced us to think uh, a little differently. Um, in terms of our digital centers, there's a bit of a silver lining in there. Uh, And let me explain a little bit more. So from a high level perspective, um, our digital centers were significantly affected in terms of their revenues. So if you think about cyber cafes, or digital centers, as we prefer to call them, who are the people in peri-urban and rural areas who go to a cyber cafe for services? It's young people who have completed a diploma, a you know, their bachelors, et cetera, they want someone to help them put together a CV because they're starting to do job hunting. Or it's a salesperson who has been sent into the field. He needs to go into the digital center and print some documents because he needs to go for meetings or he needs to go and address a couple of people in terms of selling the offerings. Um, The other people are, you know, young people who want to do things like gaming and they want to come into a digital center that has those facilities um restaurants because these digital centers work with a lot of um the local community Mm -hmm. and they work with a lot of people in the hospitality industry Uh, i'm curious whether if i say restaurants you would be able to know what digital centers do for restaurants
1: i have no (laughs) idea
0: (laughs) okay they design the flyers Uh, design the menus uh signage external and internal signage uh they design signs for people so a lot of them actually do serve um hospitality industry, Mm -hmm. uh, hotels, restaurants, and then schools are another big client for our digital centers. In fact, for some of our digital centers, uh, the revenue from schools makes up between 30 and 40% of what they make. And the reason for that is when all e-government and Mm e-citizen services were taken online, all schools now get everything uh, through electronic means. So if it's exams that need to be printed, assessments, Marks need to be uploaded, teachers' assessments need to be done. It all needs to be done by a computer. And while we take it for granted that in Nairobi, every school has at least a printer, even if it's the most basic one, and a computer, in those peri-urban and rural areas, and this is public schools, they don't have any of that equipment. So they had to create relationships with digital centers or cyber cafes, and they do printing for them. I remember in March, we went into the field, and we walked into this digital center somewhere in Meru, and these guys, they had like a truckload of paper being offloaded. And they had three large format, large scale machines, just printing exams. And this guy, he works with like 10 schools around him. So he's the one who does all their assessments, all their um, printing of their exams. He helps them upload the marks. He helps them do their returns to the Ministry of (laughs) Education. It's literally the heartbeat
1: to digital collection there. Yeah,
0: so imagine when we have a pandemic and there's a lockdown Mm -hmm. or schools are closed they lose 40% of their revenues straight off the bat, right? Or when uh, the hospitality industry is the one that was probably the most affected by these pandemics because of all these restrictions. Um, if you lose your customer who you probably do menus for like every month or you do flyers for, or you do they renew their banner every couple of months, That's a significant part of your revenue. On the flip side, because I talked about a silver lining, I think what it did is it forced um, these micro entrepreneurs to really think about other ways of being and other ways of doing and other ways of getting business that don't necessarily rely on people walking into your cyber cafe. And for us, that was really a blessing in disguise because they were more open. When you've lost fifty percent of your revenue, you're open to speaking with someone who wants to partner with you and potentially show you a new way of doing things. So I remember when we kicked off, one of the first offerings we did was a course we call Design by Mm Digitally." We offer it. We used to offer it free of charge. Now we offer it at like ten dollars, but that course is actually priced at about seven hundred and fifty dollars if you do it like a, you know, legit um, setting like a college or a university. And what we did is teach them from the basics of color psychology, how to design a brand, how to design a logo, uh, how to place it so that it's appealing. How do you appeal, like for example, to e-commerce customers? What are the colors that you should use mm-hmm. all the way to doing things like personalized um, uh, birthday cards, uh how to do wedding cards, etc., all the way to doing videos and video editing and putting in effects on video. So that's one of the courses that we launched. This is like a whole
1: Adobe 101.
0: Oh yeah, it's a whole Adobe 101 and all those other tools as well. Right. Corel, etc. Mm-hmm. So what that allowed us the opportunity to do is to get an audience with digital centers who were desperate to increase their revenues mm-hmm. and then had all these revenue streams that had been disconnected from from them. Um, and for us the reason I keep saying it's a blessing in disguise is because it provided an opportunity where there was a recognition that you need to be able to get revenues from more than just your normal walk-ins and then secondly they had the time.
1: So it was that wake-up call?
0: that It was a wake-up call right. and it provided us with an amazing segue into engaging with the digital centers.
1: Tanya, let's talk about uh, about the, the need for um some of the services that you know the partnership between digital and digital centers provide i've talked to various uh, various people and you know when it comes to small businesses the focus is usually on on, on retail so how can we help guys get products to um, the rural areas how how do we finance last mile last mile delivery how do we extend you know funding to how do how do we extend funding to businesses affected by the pandemic? Still in the retail sector. How is it like? How was your experience in lending to um to digital centers compared to what maybe it would have been if you were lending to um other young businesses in the economy? And maybe just to just to pick your brain a little bit, how is um lending is not really the word I want to use, but how is the asset fi- finance provided through digitally different from or to be accessed by, say, banks?
0: Okay. No, th- I mean, that, that's, that's an interesting question because when we started out with asset financing, we wanted to do traditional lending where you give, someone says they want 100,000 shillings, they mm-hmm. have to justify it and say they want to buy equipment. You mm-hmm. give them the money and then, you know, the re- you you either decide whether you're going to give them a grace period or not and the repayment kicks off. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we, we started that off, when we were looking at our risk management mm-hmm. um, and looking at how do we potentially de-risk ourselves, because one of the things we didn't want to do is we didn't want to just be a traditional lender where, you know, we only care about the money that they are able to repay, but we don't really care about their ability to repay it. So as we started to look at how to de-risk our funding and our asset financing, we started to Get these ideas around one, um, how do we help these digital centers source for this equipment? Who, when we are, when we walk into a store that sells printers in Nairobi, for example, mm-hmm. Coming in as an organization vis a vis an individual um, owner of a digital center who's going to have more cloud, who's able to negotiate for better discounts. So that's what got us on this journey of lending. But we also have some, a couple of differences. So I did allude to the fact that we do not give them money. Mm -hmm. We give them equipment. And even that process of giving them equipment is very extensive and um, it's pretty thorough for us. In what way? If, for example, so let me give you an example, we did financing for videography and photography equipment for digital centers in, in the last quarter, right? Mm-hmm. Now, when a, when a micro entrepreneur has the opportunity to get equipment that mm-hmm. is professional level equipment, They will of course say yes, because for them, one, they are opportunists to a certain extent, and I don't mean opportunists in a bad way, it's that entrepreneurs, when they see opportunities, they really just run for them. But secondly, um, for them, owning equipment, owning a physical item is potential collateral in the future. So if we gave them the option, for example, to get all the equipment and it cost about half a million shillings, they would probably take all of it. But what we do is we evaluate the specific short-term needs of this digital center within the next six to 12 months. So what, what for example, if a digital center has been taking um, passport photos with a small camera and they want to expand that offering, we look at what kind of clients do they get. Are they currently doing editing of videos for their customers because they've seen them take photos and maybe they want either photos retouched or they want some video editing done. And then, so we look at, you know, how much one, whether they've done some due diligence and market research to justify getting this equipment, and then whether they have an idea of what it's going to take for them to create sustainability from this new revenue stream. So if, we buy them a laptop that you know has capabilities to be able to store a lot of to have a lot of storage so that they can store their videos but um they also probably need a, a professional level camera and I don't want to mention brands but think about any professional level camera that can take photos at a wedding at a funeral etc and then maybe they also want like um one light box or whatever it is they're called they are godox boxes right <laughs> um so say someone wants to do like a basic setup at their location that is probably what we'd get for them. But if you look at the spectrum of what a videographer or a photographer can do, we could easily run into the millions of shillings in terms of buying them equipment. So we make sure that we give them the equipment that they need to help them grow to the next level without overextending themselves financially and without um, getting equipment that is going to gather dust at the corner of the studio because they hadn't really thought their expansion through. Mm -hmm. So we provide a lot of guidance in terms of how do you get from owning the equipment to actually getting customers? How do you market? How do you make sure that you're able to make their repayments? Because we also don't want to put them in a situation where they have to access other loans to repay our loans.
1: What I'm getting from you is um, like there's, there's this aspect of lending where you literally assess the need of a digital centre and finance that need until another need comes. Yes, this, this, that yes. and we
0: have the opportunity for example for upgrades. So if you got a light box, a small light box mm-hmm. and a professional level camera and then six months later you discover you need I don't know what photographers and videographers <laughs> use but let's say you need a big light box then you can come back and if you've shown consistency in your repayments mm-hmm. we can get you that additional equipment and then you may probably get to a place where you need a computer that's loaded with all this amazing software that allows you to do like super quick and super amazing videos, Mm -hmm. then we can help you procure that. But the other part of the process is that by taking the responsibility for engaging the vendors and negotiating for discounts, we are able to get better prices. But also we take a lot of the groundwork away from the digital center. Mm -hmm. So if you imagine a digital center that is in Busia and they want to come to Nairobi and buy a photocopier so that they can serve the schools around them better they probably, now you can't travel at night, so they will probably need to close their cyber cafe or leave it to an attendant, travel, come to Nairobi, visit a couple of vendors, uh, maybe not be successful on the first day, so sleep over uh, one more night, mm-hmm. go engage with those vendors, and negotiate for discounts. Those yeah, there's accommodation, there's transport, etc. Engage with the vendors, try to get a discount, but you're buying one unit, so maybe you'll get a discount of a thousand shillings, and then procure, get the equipment, figure out how to transport that equipment, which is pretty delicate, uh-huh. uh, figure out how to transport it from Nairobi back to Busia, and then go back to your digital center. It's four days later. The opportunity cost is that you had to shut down your cyber cafe. You've spent some money. You've probably spent quite some amount of money in terms of like transportation. So what we do is we take all that away from the digital center. We procure the equipment for them. We deliver it, and if it needs installation, we install it on their behalf. And we also get them free insurance for the period of time that the equipment is owned by us i.e oh, wow. where they're repaying their loan and then for the people who do specific um, initiatives mm-hmm. like photography and videography we also give them a bundle that covers signage so that their cyber cafe now becomes if it was i don't know uh i don't know Ali cyber cafe now we give you a sign uh, that says Ali media center we offer photography and videography so that's what we do
1: Tony, let's. Uh, we'll be, now that you've mentioned Ali, Ali cyber cafe, say I want to open a cyber in our uh, in our rural home. Um, where where would I likely come from? <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere deep in, in, in you know in, in you know Kuala. Like, what is the procedure that's there for me to you know for me to reach out to you guys and then for you guys to assess the need and then um. Help me get that equipment and then we work that relationship up until I'm able to pay back and then we can can start or we can grow the relationship further.
0: Okay, so a little bit of a disclaimer. Okay. And this is for all the people listening who want to open new digital centers. So we have a strict-ish criteria for Mm -hmm. the digital centers we work with. One, they have to have been Uh, in business for six continuous months because we need to see that they have identified that there's a need for the service they're offering on the ground, right? Right. So they have to have been in existence for six months and then they have to have some basic equipment, um, at least uh, two to three computers and they have to have a scanner, a copier and a printer right and the reason why we do that is because for us we want to be able to help them diversify their revenues but we also want to support digital centers that have already tapped into opportunities in the local community but it's important for them for the things that we do with the digital centers it's important for them to have built a relationship of trust with that community I'll talk about our B2B a little bit more. When we do our B2B, which is a recent pivot, it's a couple of months old, where we work with clients who have reached out to us because they want access to digital centers for various things. Some of the things that we entrust to the digital centers are going to be things that you're likely to be more successful at if you already are known in the community and there's a level of trust. For example, if we are running an awareness campaign for a client, who is doing affordable eyewear, for example, because that's something that we've done in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, Are you as a person who has been approached on your way to work are you more likely to go to a new uh, cyber cafe that you've never heard of or will you go to a cyber cafe that has been doing printing for you retrieving your pin for you uh, helping you register a business who do you have a more level of trust with definitely one that's someone, existing. Who has,
1: someone who's been there Yeah,
0: so that's the reason why we only work with digital centers that have been in existence for six months in some exceptional cases, uh, if someone gets referred to us and they've shown a lot of potential for being in the market for three months, we could consider it, but we prefer uh, six months. Six also months. because we are entrusting our name and our branch to them mm-hmm. and with our clients, we are entrusting for them to have sort of like a seamless working relationship with our clients.
1: So um, I feel like we've, we've explored uh, asset financing quite enough. Maybe just to expand, to understand more of the scope of the other offerings you have for digital centers. Okay. Um, I'm specifically interested in visibility because I did marketing, you know these things.
0: Okay. All right so visibility is interesting and my background is finance so i'm going to answer the question and hope that we are talking about the same things when we refer to visibility so let me talk about the other two things and then i can talk about visibility so we've talked about asset financing Mm -hmm. the other value prop that's a big one is capacity building so remember when we talk about cyber cafes we also want to give them some legitimacy because sometimes people hear cyber cafes and they have this very visceral reaction, like it's a hole in the wall, right? So it was important for us to give them some legitimacy. And that legitimacy comes in forms of, for example, training you how to even do very basic bookkeeping so that you can establish whether you're profitable so that even in the future, if we're not in the picture, you can go to a bank and you've been keeping your records so they can actually take you seriously and potentially lend to you. But also we've worked with you know various organizations. We have partnered like with KEPSA, uh, where um our digital centers got an online presence and they were on a partnership with Google through Africa 118. And through that partnership, some of our digital centers, I think maybe like half of our population now have landing pages online. And then we also train them, for example, we help them recruit. So we either organize with the TVETs and technical institutions around them to give them access to their really good candidates who can potentially be attendants of digital centers. And this is one interesting thing. For quite a number of digital centers we've been to in cyber cafes, the people who own them actually worked in a cyber cafe before and discovered that there was potential and went on to open their own digital center. And some of them still have relationships with their former employers. They still do work together, et cetera. So that is the capacity building. I've talked about design by digitally. We do training. We do marketing online. We have digitally chats uh, about a, twice a month mm-hmm. where we invite guests to come and speak to them about how to build a micro business, how to tap into opportunities in the market, how right. to market yourself better if you have a landing page on the internet, how do you capitalize to get business, right? So that's capacity building. Then there's a piece around B2B, which is probably going to plug into the aspect of visibility. So B2B can sometimes be complicated for people to understand. So this is how we like to simplify it. Think about agency banking. Agency banking came about because uh, financial institutions wanted to have a footprint and a presence across the country but didn't want to invest in the infrastructure or the other fixed costs that come with it. Hiring staff, renting a place, paying salaries, uh, doing branding, etc. cetera, right? That's why agency banking exists. So you use other locations that are not necessarily identifying as banks to carry out some of your services mm-hmm. that you can outsource. In the same way, we are working with digital centers to access B2B clients that they otherwise wouldn't have access to. So let me talk about a common one, which is out in the public um, and it's Copia. We have some of our digital centers who are Copia agents, but we also are partners with a bunch of other people. Right. We've worked with uh, Shujaz Inc. to test their learning management system in remote areas when there was a lockdown and they couldn't test that content on the ground. We work with PesaKit who um, do uh, airtime and tokens, etc., mm-hmm. and the digital centers and a commission. Right, And then we've worked with. With, um, new organizations that want to test their value proposition like dot glasses. Now what functions do the digital centers play, right? The digital centers act as visibility points mm-hmm. because we negotiate with them to display the posters for these various offerings. So, mm-hmm. like with PESAKIT, each of our digital centers, or at least most of them, mm-hmm. next to our signage on digitally, they also have a flyer for PESAKIT that tells walk-in customers you can buy airtime here, you can pay uh, for your KPLC tokens here, you can pay for that tokens there, you pay, can pay for GoTV, etc. And the digital center answer commission, but we do have other partnerships, and some of them. I wouldn't be able to mention them until we do the official launch mm-hmm. but with people like Dot Glasses what they wanted to do is they wanted to target at the demographic of over 45 years old because it's affordable eyewear but it's reading glasses for that age group and what the digital centre did is they distributed flyers in the community right. to tell people that there's going to be a diagnostics camp on this particular date at this location. They went to the places where they would be able to access that demographic. They did awareness, they talked to people on the ground in terms of what's going to be happening on that day. So on that specific day when the medical camp was happening, by the time the client actually got to the ground, the digital center already had an influx of people walking in with those specific conditions that dot glasses wanted to be able to solve for Mm -hmm. and then we also were able to help the client validate the product validate the price point and then also um, visualize what a distribution model that involved digital centers would look like including storage now with other clients they want awareness Uh, There are institutions, they could be early stage enterprises that are like in the three, four year stage. They've tested their model in Nairobi. They've raised a bunch of funding. They now want to expand. But what are their alternatives? One, you can hire field agents to go to the ground. When field agents go to the ground, so say today Mediapal decides you want field agents to go to the ground and sell a product. You'll give them a territory to cover, Mm -hmm. which means that they're going to go to the local town centers give people flyers, talk to a few people, go to the next location. If they stay in the field for two months, it's going to cost you a whole bunch of money, right? Which means that today, if they were in Moranga, tomorrow they'll be in Embo. If there are some people who had been given flyers in Moranga or you had talked on radio and they were not able to make it on this day, that the field agent is there, it means that that opportunity is gone. And people will not pick up the phone to call the organization to say there's something they were interested in. They'll just let it go. Um, then when these field agents get onto the ground, they look around, they start to identify where are these ideal people that we want to find? Where are they likely to be located? So they're having to do their groundwork when they get there. The other alternative is you could use a digital center. A digital center is in a specific location. One of the really strange things that we discovered when we went into the field, we'd get to a really remote part of Kenya and we'd look for this place using the pin and the pin would keep pinging in different directions. But if we stopped and asked like a border border guy or a shop, cafe meaning is there a cyber cafe close to here? Right. They would almost always inevitably point us to the cyber cafe we wanted because cyber cafes have become like almost a landmark in the community, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, so this is a physical location. People know the physical location. If you're running activities like awareness, you can actually have continuity of your activities such that instead of having um awareness activities just today, you can actually carry them out over a week. Then in terms of the digital center, they are not going to to charge you a whole like significant amount of money because the arrangements we have in place is where we are able to help you as a client save money, but the digital center also makes money. So we put together a package that is so competitive in comparison to sending people into the field, like the field agents you would hire. And then digital centers have a lot of knowledge about their local community. They know where to find young women, They know where to find young men. They know where to find a more mature demographic. They know what market days to go and find a certain category of people. They have a relationship with schools, with other businesses around them. So our value proposition is, if you want to expand your footprint outside of Nairobi, and you want to have sort of like a satellite office, Mm -hmm. Whether it's from a visibility point of view or whether it's because you want a logistics point where you can store your goods for people to come and pick as your last mile delivery solution, that is something that we can do. Of course, it's limited because not all of them have a significant amount of space, Mm -hmm. but we do have partners who we work with who... They take, uh, they want for our centers to be logistics points, but they also want other things. Like if your clients buy equipment and they have warranty issues, that can be the place where they go to log their complaints. And then the digital center attendant or owner can help them with some of that process, whether it's logging in the complaint or even accelerating the complaint so that they can get resolution. So the person at the digital center will help them navigate the platform or the you know, website, if it's something that needs some technical help, they can even arrange for sessions where if training needs to be done, um, they can sit at the digital center at the computers and take them through that training and give them an opportunity to ask questions. So as an organization, you don't have to go into the field. You don't have to go into Garissa. You can work with us. We can connect you with our digital center. You can train them and you can get your KPIs filled and your footprint expanded right from the comfort of your office. (laughs) Are you sold, Ali?
1: (laughs) Um. Getting there,
0: getting there, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's uh, and it'll save you money. Be-
1: before that you reason? know, before before uh-huh. no, before we get there, you know, I have to, you know, before you enter into any business, you have to understand the challenges of the ground. Yeah, and um, you you guys have a footprint of over over four hundred digital centers distributed yeah. pretty much across the country. It's yeah. forty five out of forty seven counties that yes, that's impeccable. By the way, what are some of the challenges that you've experienced? You know, working with with digital centers across the country. And uh, this is with reference to, you know, um, the offerings you have all the way from um, from asset finance to sort of breaking down what digital is, you know, in Nairobi terms all the way to someone in Shamakoho or someone in Muranga.
0: <laughs> oh man, how much time do you have? Um, so let me start with what are the things that break our hearts? Just um, last week, maybe, or last month, mm-hmm. we have a couple of digital centers that were in places that had been um, earmarked for demolition. And their oh. digital center, in fact, one of our the people in our network, mm-hmm. they lost two digital centers Jesus. within days of each other. So this is the thing. A lot of micro-businesses, that rely on walk ins will be located in places where there's high foot traffic, which could also likely be those places that are being earmarked for demolition, right? Mm-hmm. So we have had maybe five to eight of our digital centers being in that direct path of the bulldozer. And if they're lucky, they salvage their equipment. If they're not, it's gone. they lose quite a bit of it. That is probably the thing that breaks our heart the most because mm-hmm. that person, that young person has lost their livelihood they've probably lost equipment. They have to start from scratch. It's absolutely heartbreaking. Um, When the pandemic happens and there's a lockdown or a restriction or some other kind of economic impact, our digital centers feel the impact immediately. If schools are closed today, that revenue stream goes from 30% of your revenues to 0% of your revenues, right? Mm. So those are challenges. And because we want them to create jobs that are sustainable, so we want them to hire people, not temporary, but permanent, and be able to pay them a living wage that interferes with that KPI, right? Okay, what were the challenges that we have had? Now we don't experience this much, but at the beginning, there was a significant amount of mistrust from the digital centers. They couldn't understand why we were offering to support them, and become their friends and partners and we weren't charging them so you just right? kept, you
1: just came here with yeah, money and you want just, to give us we and just you don't want well we're not the giving child.
0: them money but we're giving them all this support in kind that right. you can translate financially and it's not cheap right so there was a lot of mistrust and it's just taken us a significant amount of work to get to the place where now there's no mistrust now we're actually partners and i think at every turn they expected us to start charging them to be a part of the network subscription models don't work in africa from a network perspective Mm -hmm. like we've talked to other organizations that have tried it people would rather lose out on ten thousand shillings of potential revenue than pay a thousand shillings to be part of a network those models just don't work here so that was not how we were going to make money and become sustainable why do
1: you think they don't work
0: i think it's consumer behavior right i think it's just consumer behavior and then the other thing that we discovered is that if, if you're trying to to Get digital centers or any micro enterprise to pay for something that's intangible. It's an uphill task. The minute you introduce it's a table, and I'm selling it for a thousand shillings. They can see, feel, and touch. They will pay for it even if the cost is over inflated. But they will not pay for services like, oh, be part of this network. Even though a lot of our digital centers probably make between ten and twenty percent of their revenues from the network like troubleshooting for other digital centres mm-hmm. like we have KRA agents mm-hmm. who are Cyber Cafe owners on the network they do troubleshooting for a lot of them and they actually choose what to charge so within that network there's already money that is flowing but they will not pay it's not pay. as
1: visible on the context. it's not as
0: I don't know I think A little bit of short-sightedness, a little bit of being opportunists, but that's consumer behavior and that's entrepreneur behavior. And we've sort of gotten used to it. So mistrust was a big one that we had to struggle with. But, I mean, everything else we've pivoted a million times. We've launched things, cut them short, dumped them, launched other things, varied them. Um, I mean, it's just been an interesting journey. Um, With regards to financing... Mm -hmm. It's going so far so good. We have allowances like if you're struggling as a digital center owner and you have financing and you need to make a repayment, talk to the credit committee before your due date comes due, give them a plan for how you're going to make sure that you don't fall too behind. So we have those allowances that maybe a traditional financial institution wouldn't have. But again, as I said, you know, we work this journey with them and we support them. eh? Mm -hmm. So at every step of the way, if someone is having challenges, you have an account manager and you've spoken to that account manager at least once in this quarter, call them and have a conversation with them. If you're struggling, just let them know.
1: Tanya, as as we approach the close of the podcast, uh what do you think, because um, of course the agency model needs to be replicated a lot in in markets that want to expand to rural and and peri-urban populations, and this is not a Kenyan thing, it's a a sub-Saharan Africa thing, what would you tell businesses that are looking to sort of use partners like digital um, centers?
0: Well, you can either work with people like us who have created that network. Kenyans. (laughs) Well, (laughs) but I mean, if you're in, I don't know... South Africa, and this model doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. I mean, you really don't have too many alternatives. You probably have to recruit them yourself. Because remember, we had to do like a lot of recruitment for them to be part of our network and then to establish a common ethos from which they operate on, which kind of gets them to be more open to the things that we introduce and the partners that we bring in. I mean, you can approach them individually, but you know, one of the things that is our biggest selling point in terms of our network is that it's a network with other businesses that have shared values. So that shared values perspective gets them to behave in a certain way that we want them to behave. Right. You know, integrity. Imagine being kicked out of this network, you would lose access to all these people who you share ideas and motivation about how to run your business in the rural areas. You know, Mm -hmm. like there's got to be for them for any business or any group of people or any community to behave in a certain way, you have to give them more reason to stay in that community and continue to belong to that community than if they were out. So there's like no direct answer, but recruiting a network like this is, is amazing and it's interesting, but working with individuals like digital centers or cyber cafes is probably more of an uphill task because you want the power of the community. Mm-hmm. So unless there's someone out there who's willing to build a network like this, then I think because you see also digital centers they they have this excess capacity they have computers they have access to internet etc that maybe shops don't have Mm -hmm. but shops have been the major target in terms of merchants for a lot of organizations right that's who they want to acquire but a shop will not have access to creating like a mobile hotspot, if you want people together in that location and access the internet to test your app.
1: So something that would require um, a movement of information up and down at the same time Absolutely. would probably be better suited for tech-savviness. And, tech savviness. and tech right? savviness. Because
0: what our digital centers bring is that they are tech-savvy. They do training. They already are integrated into the internet space. They, in fact, we call our digital centers digital translators because they translate the digital world. For those places where access to the internet is not as seamless as it is in Nairobi, right yeah so yeah so we are your solution but there's no one else
1: we really really love to continue um this conversation maybe later we can hold another discussion on just the role of different different partners in the in the ecosystem in just um leveraging digital centers um to sort of create more opportunities for for young people in in the peri-urban I'm used to calling them brutal. This it's period, fine. I'm struggle. Yeah, it's
0: just, I I know. And you know, by the time we are talking next, I'm sure we will be able to disclose some of the clients that we will have made the announcements on and you probably have seen something in the media. So I look forward to
1: that. I, I would love that. For our listeners, that was Tanya Ngema, the Managing Director of Digitally at Digital Divide Data. They're doing an amazing work with digital centers all over Kenya. Thank you for joining today's episode. See you next time.